Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I've got uh, Brad Cragthorpe with the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, a good friend of mine, and thanks for being on the show, Brad. Yeah, happy to be here. Appreciate you having me on. If you wouldn't mind, give us some context into uh, kind of you, you and growing up. What was that like? Yeah, so, um, you know, I was a coach's kid growing up. My dad uh, coached football my entire life, um, and so uh, got to be around sports and athletics, f- football specifically, um, ever since I was, you know, able to walk and, um, you know, moved around a lot, which uh, was uh, both a cool experience and sometimes uh, not a great experience, you know, kind of um, some good and bad with that, but um, yeah, just uh, grew up around sports my entire life. Was really fortunate to to have the experiences that that I did because of uh, the jobs my dad had, and um, um, was really a really a, a cool experience um, growing up as as a coach's kid. Yeah, for sure. And just talk uh, briefly. You moved around a lot. So, where are some of the spots that you were at growing up? Yeah, so I was uh, born in Arizona and then uh, moved to Texas, moved to uh, Boston, Massachusetts, um, then back to Texas, um, and then to Buffalo, New York, and then Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then to uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and and then back to Tulsa, and that was that was through high school. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it was seven or eight times that I moved uh, before graduating high school, and then moved around a little bit in college as well, and then have, have moved around a decent amount post grad. So. Yeah, uh, I'm no stranger. I'm no stranger to moving. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, at least you finished high school off right in Tulsa. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so through those experiences, you're moving around a lot. Do you look back and see how you were able to adapt to getting to know different people and being able to converse with people and some some of the things you learned along the way of being able to adapt to different environments and getting to know people? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, living in different parts of the country. Um, you've got different cultures, you've got, um, you know, different values and, and things of that nature. And, um, yeah, being around people in, in Texas compared to Buffalo, New York or Boston, Massachusetts is, is definitely different. And, um, and, and making those uh, connections and, and building those relationships with people from all, from all over the country um, was definitely something that, that I look back and value and am grateful that I got to do. Um, you know, I've, I've, friends and, and contacts all over the country now to where I feel like there probably isn't a city in the U.S. that I couldn't go to and 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 have somebody that um, I have a relationship with or and friends with that, uh, you know, I go grab lunch with and catch up. And, um, yeah, all those all those connections and friendships are, are something that that I, I value a lot. Mm-hmm. And so your dad was in athletics. Was being involved in athletics something that was uh, very influential in your life growing up, like playing different sports? What were, what were some of the sports you played aside from football? Because we, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously you're a football guy, but what were some things that you played growing up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much everything. Um, you know, my dad encouraged us to play everything. He was not a sports specific guy. Um, you know, the sports that he really encouraged us to play were 
or tennis and golf because those are the sports that you can play the entirety of your life. And, um, and so you listen, you listen also, really well. So <laughs> I, I, well, yeah, I, 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 I played, I played tennis and golf for a long time growing up and then uh -huh. you know, I'm still, but golf is golf is my best sport right now. I'd probably say. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And, uh, and just, you know, just developing, um, all sorts of athletic traits hand eye coordination, um, foot quickness, you know, things like that, you know, those are all things that, you know, you see them maybe, uh, get, emphasized in, in a certain sport, but really you, you can develop those skills through, through every sport. And I think it's important to do that. And, um, yeah, I played, uh, basketball, baseball, tennis, golf, um, hockey for a little bit in Buffalo, you know? So, um, yeah, I, uh, I was all about being around, um, teammates and, and being involved in team sports. Um, that, that was probably the one thing I wasn't a huge fan of in tennis and in golf were, were the individual um, aspects of it and um, and things like that. I was much more team oriented and and wanted to be around teammates and and have those experience with uh, experiences with with those guys. Yeah. So would you say that you are more for like specialization? Or do you like the idea of playing many sports to get uh, some of those different qualities that you talked about? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent playing playing as many sports as you can um, because not only just for, uh, you know, specialization purposes, but, you know, I think it's important, you know, to experience as many sports as you can growing up to, to know which one, maybe if you do want to specialize down the road, um, which one that is, you know, cause your, um, your passion and your, um, enjoyment in, in each sport, individual sport can change, you know, throughout the years. And, um, you know, if you're not, uh, if you're not experiencing, if you're not playing, um, every sport you can early on, then you might be locking yourself into a sport that, you know, in high school, you may not truly love anymore um, or college or where, whenever it is. But um, yeah, I, I think that for those reasons, and then again, just uh, developing athletic traits um, in, in each sport because they're different in each sport, I think is, uh, I think is pretty, uh, pretty huge. Yeah. And not only do you like to do things on the field, but you like off the field too, you're in choir, right? <laughs> I was. <laughs> what what uh, was what kind of singer year. were you? Tenor? Alto? Uh, I was a tenor. I was okay. a tenor. I was a tenor. Yeah, I was a tenor. Yeah. So you have lots of different skills and gifts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would have called that a skill. But <laughs> yeah. I was just kind of a background noise. I wish I wish we could find some uh, old footage of that. But anyway, I'm sure so. it's out there. I'm yeah. sure it's out there. Um. Also, you know, talk about your parents, you know, they were influential growing up. Uh, what are some lessons that you learned from them as you look back that really shaped you? Um, yeah, I would say that uh, how to handle adversity for sure um, uh, is, is one of those. Um, and really just adapting um, to circumstances, um, you know, controlling the things that you can control. And, and not letting the things you can't um, affect you or your mindset um, too much because the, we lived in a, in a world of chaos a little bit at times and, um, and, and being grounded and, and knowing um, what your values are and, and um, controlling the things you can control is, is really um, what you're going to fall back on in, in times like that. And um, they did a great job of instilling values in me and, um, from a young age that I still carry today. And, um, and yeah, there were, there were definitely a lot of, uh, lessons, um, along the way that, uh, that helped shape me into, to, to who I am right now. Yeah, absolutely. So you wound up for your senior year, 
you wind up going to a Holland Hall in Tulsa for high school. So how did you wind up making the decision to go to Holland Hall? Um, so kind of, there were a lot of factors there. Um, the first one being that my dad was, uh, at the time, uh, coaching at Texas A&M. He had just taken a job at, at Texas A&M as the receiver coach, um, that off season. And, uh, we were contemplating what we wanted to do as a family. If we wanted to move down to college station, if we wanted to stay in Tulsa where we were at the time. And, um, he was obviously, he wanted us to, to come down there and be with him. Um, but going into my senior year, we kind of compromised on, um, me, uh, going to Holland Hall who played a bunch of games in, in Texas, in the state of Texas that he would be able to attend because he wanted to, to be able to see me play, um, my senior year. And so that, uh, coupled with the, the people that, that were at Holland Hall, my brother had graduated from Holland Hall and, um, you know, co coaches like, uh, coach O, coach Ostrowski, um, coach Gross and, and then BT were, uh, played a big part in it as well. And, um, ultimately it was the right decision. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you had just, uh, didn't you win some state championships before over in Louisville or played in a couple? Yeah. Played in a couple. What? One, one, two is the backup, and then unfortunately lost the one that I started in. But, okay. um, but yeah, yeah, went went to a went to a really successful athletic school in, in Louisville. That it was a uh, it was a really cool experience, also. But I think one of the the points in that story is that you had to, you know, you moved as a senior in high school, something that mm -hmm. many people would not want to do. Um, mm -hmm. So basically, what you talked about being able to adapt and uh, being able to control what you can control. And so you wound up moving and obviously uh, mm -hmm. had a great career at Holland Hall as well in that year that you were there. So um, mm -hmm. had a lot of good talent around you, though. So that we helped did. you out. <laughs> we, did. we did. I was the facilitator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, you wound up out of Holland Hall going and playing college football, Idaho State. Mm -hmm. uh, how did you wind up at Idaho State first and foremost? Um, well, they were my first scholarship offer. And so um, I was – I, w I wasn't very highly recruited coming out of high school. And so I, I waited a while to, to get the, the first scholarship offer that I got. And it was Idaho State. And I had kind of told myself early on that um, whoever the first school was going to be that uh, took a chance on me and offered me a scholarship, they were going to be the, the, the leader in the clubhouse, if you will. They, they were going to be the one that I was going to um, gonna go to unless somebody else um, was able to, to offer something that I thought was substantially better. And so um, took a visit up there, really liked it, um, liked the idea of kind of getting away and doing my own thing for uh, a couple of years. And um, yeah, had, had, a, had a fun experience up there my freshman year um, and, uh, you know, made a lot of friends and, and really enjoyed the teammates that I had and the roommates that I had and, and the camaraderie that we had, had a really close group and um, yeah, it was, it was a good experience my freshman year. Mm -hmm. So it was obviously too cold. So you wound up moving down to Louisiana right after that, correct? Mm -hmm. Where it's a little bit yep. warmer. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just talk about uh, that experience being at LSU, um, playing football at LSU and then getting to learn from some of the guys that were around you and also coaches, uh, that, that you're with at LSU. Yeah. Yeah. So the first year, um, the first year I was there, I, I got to play for my dad, which is, which was a big reason that I wanted to go down there, you know, at Idaho state. I, I mean, I quickly realized that, uh, like you said, the cold wasn't so great. And, yeah. and then I missed my family a lot too. And, and the distance wasn't, uh, exactly what I needed at that time. Yeah. And so, uh, 
going down to LSU was an easy decision and uh, getting to play for my dad um, was, was really, really cool, really cool experience. Um, and then, you know, got to play for some other great coaches like Cam Cameron, um, Wes Miles was, was a great coach um, who, who I learned a lot from. And, uh, and then, like you said, yeah, I got to play with some, some very, very talented players as well, like Odell Beckham and um, Jarvis Landry, Jeremy Hill, Lyle Collins, uh, Trey White, the list goes on, but, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, that was uh, definitely, it, it exposed me to a, a much higher level of football that I hadn't yet, um, hadn't yet experienced um, and really kind of laid the groundwork for um, uh, how I, how I viewed that level of football and, and how it would um, kind of shape my views moving forward um, as a player and as a coach, it was, it was a really, really cool experience and, and something I'll, I'll always remember and, and always um, look back on for, uh, uh, for, for anything um, that, uh, that it could potentially help me um, moving forward, you know? Yeah. So do you have any favorite experiences uh, during your time at LSU? Yeah, um, definitely, you know, some of the experiences um, that when I when I was playing, when I got to play some of the plays that I was able to have and then um, really, you know, the experiences that that I fondly remember is the the game day experiences, the um, the atmospheres that that I got to experience and, and play in, you know, is second to none in the SEC going to places like Florida and Georgia and Alabama and Auburn. And then, you know, our home games as well uh, at LSU were always very special. Um, and then, you know, obviously, you know, the time you have with your teammates as well, you know, it's the, those behind the scenes moments that you also really remember and, and, uh, and reflect back on and think fondly about, um, you know, the bus rides, the locker room moments, the pregame meals, um, you know, all those things, you know, the, the hard work you always do, you would put in in the summer um, and off season and, and kind of, you know, struggling and grinding with those guys. Those are, those are a lot of the times that, that, uh, that really stick out the most as well. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a great point because that's something really in life that's relative to life as well. We really absolutely enjoy the high moments, but it's the kind of the behind the scenes moments is the hard work, the preparation, the relationships, um, the things that, that are day-to-day -day things that you have to accomplish each day. But at exactly. the same time, you're going through it with individuals and people you admire, uh, people that are right alongside with you. And those are really exactly. the things that you really uh, have to enjoy because sometimes, obviously, the end is great, but also the journey is great. So enjoying each moment as you go through, which is a great point that you talked about just there. Um, you know, one of the things I want to talk about real quick is the Music City Bowl. I don't know. I can't remember what year it was. All right. We yep. had a, a, a big play, which if we look back, we can show pictures. There was a, <laughs> that was actually, you were in the end zone. So, uh, so too. yeah. So you had the, the fake, uh, fake kick and you ran into the end zone. And unfortunately they, were you in? Yep. I was definitely in. You're definitely, definitely in. in. All right. And the funny, the funny, the funny part of that story too is, uh, is two of our friends from high school, uh, Ethan and, and then, uh, your cousin Billy, uh -huh. uh, we're in the stands and they're big, big, big Notre Dame fans. And yep. they're, they're wearing, even though I begged them not to wear <laughs> Notre Dame, they're wearing Notre, I give them tickets to the game. So they're sitting in LSU in an LSU section and they're wearing Notre Dame apparel, uh -huh. even though I begged them not to. That's the type of friends um, they are. You got them the tickets and they're wearing Notre exactly, Dame stuff. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, 
but uh, and so they're they're cheering for Notre Dame pretty much the entire game. And then whenever we run that fake field goal, um, they uh, they go crazy for LSU and because they know it's me and they uh, they go crazy and wild cheering and uh, and they said all the LSU fans around them were were looking at them like wait what the, I thought you were cheering for the other team why I'm so confused yeah uh, but uh, but yeah no that was uh, that was definitely I tell people that that uh, even though I you know I didn't score technically I guess. Um, I definitely got a lot more notoriety and recognition from not scoring if I would have just scored, you know, yeah. because it kind of became a, a point of contention and, uh, you know, kind of a, a major turning point in the game and kind of had a, a, a an outcome or an effect on the outcome of the game. Uh-huh. And so uh, so I, I definitely gained a lot more recognition from from it not being a touchdown than if it would have been a touchdown. Yeah. And it was yeah, it was talked about quite a bit after that. So. Uh, yeah pretty fun fun story there thought I'd bring that up yep. so yep. you wound up you were at LSU for a little bit uh, and I wanted to touch on this back at the beginning of kind of your story is did you always know you wanted to be a, a college or not college but just a coach at a high level in football yeah yeah I did um you know being around my dad whenever I was little um specifically whenever he was at Tulsa and I was in in middle school you know fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth grade um the, the, the moments that I got to have, uh, with him and, you know, being around, I was, I was around a lot, you know, and, and it wasn't really because I wanted to coach necessarily, but it was because I love football so much and I just wanted to be around my dad. And so, um, you know, being in, uh, at the practices and, um, you know, I traveled with him to every road game. I was in, I stayed in the hotel with him on Friday nights, went to meetings, um, did all that type of stuff. Um, you know, really that I, did things like that ever since I was in, you know, in kindergarten when he was at Texas A&M. But um, those, uh, you know, having those moments and experiencing those things that I got to experience, which I was very fortunate to get to experience, you know, um, and I'm, I'm very grateful um, for that. It, those, I, I quickly realized that, that I loved, you know, coaching and, and more, more specifically, I guess, just being around the game and, um that uh, that really lit the fire in me and and made me uh, decide pretty quickly that um, that being around the game in some form um, and then more specifically being a coach were absolutely what I wanted to do in life. Mm-hmm. And you talk about a love for the game. I can remember being in college when you'd be back in town mm-hmm. and we'd be over at a friend's place and you'd be sitting there watching film just cause, you know, <laughs> so there's yeah, absolutely exactly. a love for that. And I, that's a good point too, is having a love for what you're doing and having some passion behind it. Because when you don't, um, you know, obviously you want to work hard and be excellent at what you're doing, but at the same time, you got that extra oomph of, of passion and energy, enthusiasm for what you're doing makes a big difference. Um, sometimes it's, it's those little things. Yeah. Yep, so I think it's critical. Yeah. So that's a good point. But, um, you know, one of the things for people that don't understand, how you kind of step in and transition into coaching. Obviously you're at LSU and you wound up being able to go, uh, was your first job as a GA at LSU? Is that correct? No, at uh, Utah state, Utah was, state. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about that. I, I totally forgot real quick, Yeah, uh, which was a great experience too. I mean, Utah state, you guys had a great program up there by uh, Matt Wells mm-hmm. was the head coach at the time. Yep. Talk about, okay. Yeah. Talk about your experience when you decided you wanted to transition from playing to coaching. And what yep. were the, the schools you looked at? How did you wind up getting opportunities? And what did you have to do to get those opportunities? Yeah. Um, 
you know, it was, it was, it was definitely harder than I thought it was going to be. Once I finished playing, um, you know, I thought that um, I'd be able to find a, a school to GA at and, um, and just kind of, you know, go from there, hopefully an SEC school, an LSU or, or something like that. But um, you quickly realize when you get out of college, you get into the real world, it's, uh, it's not so easy, you know, finding your dream job. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, uh, I was fortunate again, because coach Wells was on my dad's staff at Texas A&M and he was the head coach at Utah state at the time, whenever I was coming out of college, um, I was fortunate that he had an opening, um, and, and gave me an opportunity because there were, I mean, I was, I was sitting jobless for about two months after I, after I graduated and finished playing. Um, and, uh, and so I, I was able to, to go up there and, and work for him. And, and he was, uh, he was awesome. He was unbelievable. He's a, he's a great coach and a great motivator. And, and really what I learned, um, mo- the most from, from that experience was how, how to build a program and, and how to set a culture. We, we had a culture there that, uh, was really, really good. And, um, just the, the, the way that you can get player buy-in and, and the way that, really how that affects um, your team overall and ultimately your, your win-loss record and, and how whenever you get into close games, it's, it's the culture and, um, you know, the leadership that, that you've cultivated um, from a player level um, as a coach that um, is, is really going to determine a lot of those uh, close games and, um, and determine a lot of uh, what your success looks like um, year in and year out. So, the uh, the lessons I learned in terms of of ter- in terms of culture and, and how to build and create and sustain a culture at Utah State is all stuff that um, I will absolutely carry with me throughout my career. Yeah, well, w- one point I want to point out too is that you know you didn't sit jobless, you didn't have a job, but you were working. You know, you were trying to get a job. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it wasn't no, like exactly. you were sitting That's on your butt point. waiting for something to happen. You were actually no. hustling, working, uh, probably making phone right calls, emails, things like that. You you were working to do that. So I wanted to make sure yep. people understand that. And no, going that's back to absolutely the, true. Yeah. Going back to the culture component of things. Uh, what, in your opinion, because you got to be around some great programs um, and talking about Utah State, what are those the little things that basically make a culture a culture, in your opinion? I mean, you touched on it a little bit, but, but what are those things? Like, you know, when you're looking for a recruit, obviously you want to have talent. Mm-hmm. But what are those intangibles that you mm-hmm. guys are looking for? Um, yeah, I would say competitiveness would be, um, probably one of the top ones, um, for me and then, uh, being tough minded, you know, having mental toughness and being able to fight through difficult things. Cause you're going to experience failures. Um, you're going to experience tough times. It's, it's going, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. And, um, the guys that, uh, are a competitive and have a extremely strong desire to, to win and to succeed at whatever they're doing. And then the guys that can fight through adversity and, and have mental toughness and and uh, and have the mental fortitude to to get through and not just get through but get better from the negative experiences that that they're gonna have. Um, that's uh, those would be two of the things that that I think uh, really are, are foundational pieces to to building um, a culture that um, you uh, you can have success with. Yeah. So would you say if you had a high level uh, player with a lot of uh, skill, but maybe mm-hmm. not so much a work ethic or competitiveness versus a guy who has not mediocre skill, but good skill, not fantastic, mm-hmm. but has this competitive spirit, this drive, this energy, 
I'm not going to mm-hmm. cut corners. Would you pick that guy over the, the guy with skill? More than likely. Yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, every, every instance like that is pretty circumstantial, but um, yeah, I, I, I value those things. Like you said, work ethic, um, competitive spirit, um, and then mental toughness and, and all those intangibles, I, I place a lot of value on those. And, um, you know, especially when you, when you reach higher levels of football, your skill level in comparison to the players that you're playing against and with, um, it shrinks. And so um, having those intangibles that, uh, that are going to separate you um, mentally is um, they're invaluable. And, um, and, and I think they're, uh, extremely important. And, um, and again, because your skill can only take you so far and, and ultimately it's going to be the intangibles and, um, and all those things that are, are going to carry you and, and, uh, determine a lot of the success you have. Mm-hmm. And you talk about mental toughness in your opinion, how does someone develop mental toughness? Probably through experience more than anything else. You know, like I said, um, tough times are going to happen. They're, they're inevitable. They're, they're going to come. And, um, and kind of building those calluses and, um, and, and experiencing those tough times and, and learning how to, to pull through them and not just, uh, not just pull through them, but learn from them and get better from them. Um, you know, those are, those are, those are the, uh, those are the times that you really build mental toughness and, and really shape, um, really shape how you, uh, how you, how you handle adversity and, um, and yeah, I think that, uh, really experiences, um, is the ultimate teacher. And, um, I think that that holds true and that's circumstance as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great point. Um, you know, one of the things I think about, cause that's something that often gets talked about is mental toughness, but how do you develop it? And mm-hmm. when you're going through those moments that sometimes you don't often think like this is developing mental toughness in me by going through mm-hmm. this, but if you have uh, that mindset, like I'm going to make something positive out of this instead of negative. I'm going to learn from the mm-hmm. experience, but also another key I, I just thought about is having people around you to help shape you through that experience too. So there's mm-hmm. obviously the, the quote that goes around, you know, you are the sum of the five you know people around you. You're very similar, you know? And so having solid people to help you through these experiences, to help show you things when maybe you don't want to be shown things, um, or just having those people is really key and critical also to the mental component side of it. Um, and it's, it, it's important because if you look at a lot of different people, even yourself, you've got people around you that, uh, we're always going to ha- have your back, be there for you, but always are going to help you through those experiences as well. And, uh, that just seems to be a common pattern that you see in a lot of uh, people that are, you know, working towards uh, their goals, their dreams, their ambitions, and, and doing it at a high level. So uh, no question, no question. That's yeah. a good point. Uh, anyway, so you're at Utah state, you have, you know, you're part of a great program that's building a great culture. Coach Wells obviously is a great coach, and, um, but you wound up transitioning, going to LSU. Um, yep. You know, how did that come about? Did you want to be back at LSU and, and, and talk about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was an opportunity um, whenever uh, uh, a coach that I played for at, at LSU um, got the offensive coordinator job in 2018. Um, he, uh, he called me and, uh, asked me if I'd be interested in, in coming down there in a, in a, uh, a support staff and analyst role. Um, and I, uh, I interviewed with him and, 
and really wanted it. I, I was I, I wanted to go back to LSU for sure. I thought that would be a great opportunity. Um, and then getting to to coach for somebody and work for somebody like Ed Orgeron was a really really great experience. Um, you know, I learned. I think that he's arguably the best recruiter in college football right now. And and, and learning from from him and and you know the importance that recruiting has in college football these days. Um, learning from somebody like him was uh, was unbelievable. And um, you know, and we we uh, we had a good team too. We had a lot of really really fun guys to coach and um, some really good players, young players that hadn't really had a ton of experience that were growing and, uh, you know, helping them um, continue to develop and, and see them turn into ultimately what they uh, turned into in 2019. Uh, getting to be a small part of that in 2018 was, was really a, a fun experience that, that I'll always, uh, I'll always value and, and, uh, and, and look back uh, and remember fondly. Yeah. And, you know, one thing maybe to, to touch on that point is obviously they won the national championship in 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2019, you had taken a job with the Bengals where you are currently. So you, you weren't a part of that, that staff and that experience, but you played a part in it in a big role. And so in 2018, when they haven't yet achieved that pinnacle, you know, what are the things day in and day out that the coaches are preaching that the players are doing to allow them to keep scaling up and to actually achieve the goals that they set in front of themselves. Just keep getting better. You know, every, every day, just keep getting better. We, we knew that we were a young team that didn't have a ton of experience. And so we just constantly were, uh, were preaching about improvement and developing and, and getting better um, every practice, every game, because you were going to experience things that you hadn't experienced before as a player, um, just simply because uh, not a lot of those guys had played a ton um, uh, in, in, you know, real game action in, in the SEC. And so um, as the year went on, uh, those guys all just improved, improved, improved. And you could see it building throughout the year um, that it was going to be something special among those, amongst those guys. And um, yeah, just, uh, just daily improvement was constantly getting preached and, um, and it was a lot of fun to, to see it manifest itself. Yeah. So, like we said just a second ago, you wound up going to the Cincinnati Bengals in 2019. Mm -hmm. Were you wanting to be in the NFL, or how did that opportunity present itself? I did. I did. I, I did want to be in the NFL, but um, it wasn't something, you know, I'm, I'm a big uh, believer in, you know, being where your feet are and, um, you know, not necessarily looking for the next job. You can have goals and, um, and things of that nature, but um, it was a situation where um, – Again, uh, a connection uh, with my dad, where uh, uh, Zach Taylor had gotten the, the head coaching job with uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals in 2019, um, and he had worked uh, with my dad at Texas A&M, um, even though it was for a short time. And uh, during that time, I was able to uh, go down that summer to Texas A&M to College Station and participate in a couple camps. Um, and at that time, I, I was pretty much down there by myself with my dad. And so I hung out with, at the office quite a bit. And, and one of the guys I kind of, you know, got to know and talk to a lot was Zach Taylor. And so uh, kind of built a relationship with him there. Um, he was he was one of the people he was uh, whenever I was coming out of college, he was the offense coordinator at the University of Cincinnati at the time. And, and so he was one of the people I was uh, trying really hard to potentially get a GA job with coming out of college. It didn't work out. Um, but stayed in contact with him. He's, he's an awesome guy. He's an awesome friend and, um, stayed in contact with him, 
uh, through the years and, and was fortunate enough to, to get an interview. He, he gave me an interview to, uh, to come, uh, to come coach in, in Cincinnati. And, um, you know, whenever he offered me the job, I, I said, yes, immediately. It was, uh, it was a no brainer and getting into the NFL and, um, having that experience was definitely something that I wanted, um, and was on my, uh, list of things I, I wanted to accomplish. And, um, it was, uh, it was a no brainer to, to come up here with, uh, not only to get to coach in the NFL, but to, to do it with somebody like Zach, um, was, uh, was again, a no brainer. And, and it's, uh, it's been a great experience since. Yeah. And as you talk about being where your feet are, that's a quote that I've heard that I really like as well. Because if you mm-hmm. focus on where you're at, you do a good job and you, you try to do the best that you can at the job that you're currently in, uh, things happen for you, you know, whether yep. or not you're trying to make them happen or not, things happen for you. Just like you being at Utah State, doing a really good job, getting an opportunity to come to LSU because the offensive coordinator uh, came in and, and he worked with you, knew your work ethic, uh, knew your knowledge of the game. That was an opportunity that presented itself, obviously, with Coach Taylor. So, it's one of those things where if you work and be diligent at where you are consistently hard, hard work, um, those things pay off in the long run. Um, so, I mean, one of the things, yeah, one of the things I want to talk to you about is, you know, as you, as someone who's now in the NFL, what is the difference? I mean, have you enjoyed being in the NFL versus college and what would be the difference in your opinion for those people out there that, you know, maybe are not within athletics, but they love athletics. So kind of explain Mm -hmm. that to them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoy being in the NFL. Um, you know, I enjoy co- coaching college, coaching college as well. Um, but the NFL is, you know, it's, it's the, it's the highest level of football, first of all, which is a lot of fun to be around. You're with, um, some of the best athletes in the world on a day in day out basis, um, which as a former athlete is somebody who, who idolized those type of people, uh, growing up is been really, really cool, um, to experience now later in life. Um, and then, you know, just the purity of, of, of the NFL in terms of, uh, it just being about football, you know, um, you, uh, you don't have to, to deal with as much recruiting and, um, academic things, you know, stuff like that, that can, can kind of be, um, you know, distractions, not distractions, but, um, they, they kind of take away from, from the purity of, of just being, you know, focused on football, which is what I love. It's one of the aspects of the job that I love. Um, and, and so getting, getting to experience that and, and getting to, to really just focus on football and grow as a, a football coach from that standpoint has been really beneficial to me and something that I've really experienced. Now, one thing that, that I do miss about college is, um, is you do have a little bit more of, of an impact on, on the guys you're coaching, you know, you're, you're coaching 18 to 20 year olds that are still kind of figuring their way out, um, in the world and, um, and still kind of developing, their core values and, and, uh, you know, developing their work ethic and, and things like that. And, and to have an impact on that, on those guys and not just have an effect on, uh, on the next two, three to four years for them, but ultimately you're, you're, you're creating, uh, you know, values and, and, uh, work ethic and, and things like that, that, that'll carry on for the rest of their life. And, and being able to have that effect on, on those guys is really, really special. And that's something that I'll miss or that I do miss um, about coaching in college um, because you don't get quite as much of that, of that in the NFL. You're, you're, you're coaching more grown men that, you know, have wives and children and um, you know, they've, they've kind of already um, 
figured figured it out to a certain extent in terms of who they are and and what they believe in and, and, and how they work and what their values are. And so um, that is something that, that I do miss in college. And, and if I do go back to college, I look forward to uh, getting to do again. But, um, but no, the NFL is, is really special. It's really, really cool to, to get to work in the NFL and coach in the NFL. And um, certainly not something I take for, take for granted. Yeah. So what, what is like a typical day like for you being with the Bengals? During the season? That's a loaded question. But uh, yes, during the season, let's go during the season first. Okay. During the season, um, you know, you work long hours. Um, usually you're, you're in the office between 6 and 6.30 a.m. Um, and, and then the other, the other great thing about the, the NFL is you get the players all day. And so the players are in the building at, at 8 a.m. and you're meeting with them and um, you're, you know, you're, you're developing the game plan. You're, you're, uh, you're coaching them on, on what the game plan is, how you're going to attack um, the defense that you're playing that week. And, um, and just going through a wide spectrum of, of different things that, that you need to cover in a game week um, in the mornings. And then, and then uh, you practice in the afternoons. So we practice, or I'm sorry, we have a walkthrough first um, around noon. And then, then you have a practice in the afternoons. Um, and then you meet with them again uh, later after practice. That goes till about four or five o'clock. Um, and then... Uh, and then you work uh, towards preparing for the next day. And um, each day kind of carries a different emphasis, um, whether it's first and second down, third down, red zone, things like that. You know, there are a lot of intricacies and in different parts of the game um, that, that many people might not realize um, that have to get um, very thoroughly discussed and game plan. And uh, you do all those usually at night. Um, and then later as the week kind of goes on, you know, Friday, Saturday, um, it starts to slow down and you start to, you know, really have, have put in the bulk of the work and, and really you just start to put the finishing touches on it and, and then start to relax and, and get your mind and body, you know, as a player, get your mind and body ready. And then as a coach, just kind of, um, you know, review and uh, make sure that, that you're fully prepared for Sunday. Um, you know, in college, you, you don't get the players for quite as long. You only get them really in the afternoons. You don't get them in the morning. So, so you don't get to have such a quite as thorough of, of a preparation process. Um, but in the NFL, um, you, uh, you get a lot of time with the guys and, um, and I, I, it's certainly valued and, um, and I appreciate uh, getting to have that much time with the players. Yeah. Well, what about on Sundays? What's a typical day like on a Sunday when you're prepping for a game or you've already prepped for the game, but you're, you're getting yep. into the game. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you still do some final preparations. You still you still watch on Sunday morning. I'll get into the office and um, you know I'll 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 watch some things that I'm expected to do. I'll have a game day assignment. I have I have a role on game day, and and so I'll I'll do some things in the morning just to um, make sure I'm fully prepared and and seeing the right things on the field and and um, and doing things like that. And then um, one one part of game day that I really like is uh, we get to, I get to go out with uh, some of our uh, down the line receivers and quarterbacks are our, our third, fourth string quarterback, our uh, sixth, seventh, eighth receivers, um, and and go out and uh, and coach them and throw out routes on air and and basically get a little bit of a mini practice in um, where I'm coaching them and um, going through different uh, techniques and drills and things like that um, pregame and that kind of sets the sets the mood a little bit almost to you know uh, get into get into the football mindset and and get ready to rock and roll. Um, but, uh, there's nothing like game day. There's, there's nothing like it. It's, uh, 
it gets the adrenaline flowing. It's uh, it gets the competitive juices flowing, and um, and really, it's uh, it's an irreplaceable feeling. Yeah. And about after the games, I mean, do you get to just go home, or are you in the office working, looking at some film, cutting it up? Yeah, typically for, for me, a lot of the coaches just get to go home and, and spend time with their families and, um, you know, hopefully celebrate a win. Um, but uh, in my role, I, I do have to do a little bit of work post game, um, whether it's uh, self-scout information for us, putting in information, you know, um, cataloging information um, from our, our game that day. And then as, as well as preparing for the next opponent, you know, it's, it's nonstop. It's, it's uh, you're, you're, there's always something to do. And, um, and so there's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of, uh, tasks that I have to do, um, on Sunday night that need to be prepared for Monday morning. Um, and so I do, I, I'll usually take care of those, uh, immediately after the game. And then, um, if it's a one o'clock kickoff, I'll usually get out of the office or get, get, get out of the uh, stadium around, um, you know, six or seven o'clock and, uh, and then just have some time to relax and, watch the Sunday night game or, or whatever's, whatever's going on. Yeah. Back to more football, <laughs> back to more football. It never yeah. ends. I love well, it. That's what I, I love hearing that story because I think many people look at athletics and they're like, Oh my gosh, that would be the dream job. You know, it's, it sounds so great. You get to just show up on Sundays. You have all this attention on you. You get to work with these athletes that are just the high caliber of athlete that you want to be around, but there's mm -hmm. so much work and preparation that goes into being a coach, being on the sidelines and working with the guys um, that is Tons. the behind the scenes, right? No one gets to see exactly. it. And so that's exactly. why I love like your story about, you know, working with the guys, the, the three and the fours, uh, before the games. And that's mm -hmm. kind of your coach time. Well, what you talked about earlier is be where your feet are. Like, that's what you're mm -hmm. doing when you're doing all this stuff. Um, you're working really hard at it. So it's going to be fun to watch and see, obviously your career as, as you move forward and you're going to be successful. I can't wait. We'll have you back on. Just remember us back, uh, when you're a head coach someday, <laughs> but but you're doing all these things day in and day out that will enable you to have that down the road. You know, it's, yep. it's something that you don't just wish it to happen. It actually takes the day in day out preparation, the hard work, the relationships. I mean, a lot of the opportunities yep. that you've had have been because you've been a, a good guy that has, has treated people the right way. And uh, you have those relationships and that is critical, uh, not just in, in athletics. It is critical in athletics, but it's also yep. very critical in life too. And area. so that's why I love, you know, hearing these stories from you, the preparation that goes in it and, and how you get to, to where you are. So, and that's what we were talking about before we started, just how it's so great. We get to listen to all these people. Let's just say we're listening to someone who's a head coach in the NFL right now, uh, Bill mm -hmm. Belichick. Let's just say Bill Belichick. We're interviewing him and he's had a lot of success, but what if we could have heard his story when he was, you know, 30 years old or 20, yep. 22 years old. He didn't know he was yep. going to have the success. He wanted it. Probably right. he was going to prepare and do the work like you're doing. Um, but what what if we can learn these lessons now? Like what's going through your head as you're working your way up in, in the NFL and getting a chance to to do all these things? And then you can look back and see, okay, well, in those moments, it, it wasn't like you were coasting. It wasn't like you're just wishing it to happen. You were working for it and you were doing the right things every single day consistently, which many people think is boring. Um, yep but that's really what it takes, you know? Yep. No, I um, think that's a really cool perspective too, to, to, to have, uh, you know, the views of, of somebody like that, that, uh, like you said, from back when they were 25, 30 years old, um, you know, what, what did their views look like back then? What did their work ethic and the things they talked about, their values, all those things. 
what did that look like back then compared to right now? I think that's, you know, those are, those are perspectives that don't often get seen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's even a little different because when they look back, it's all, it's like you go on a, a great trip or, and there's lots of bad things that happen. You don't remember those things because you just remember the great trip it was, right? Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. it's kind of that way when you write a book, even though you don't always forget everything, but it's just a little bit different. Um, and I love yep. that you kind of talked about your story. You know, this podcast is building excellence. And the reason why it's called building excellence is things are built over time, uh, consistently each day, the preparation. And so at Utah State, you're building a program and, and there was success there. At LSU, you were in the process of, of building a program and, and that, that culture, right? And then now yep. as you're at, at uh, Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati uh, before has, you know, they've, I've got, got some really good Cincinnati friends that are, that are big Reds and uh, Bengals fans and whatnot. And they said the highlight is uh, you guys got to live back in the 70s for Cincinnati sports. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, they've, they've had success in the past, but, you know, they've just gotten to the playoffs and hadn't gone past that. And so yeah. you're in the process right now working under Coach Taylor, his vision for the organization as a whole. Uh, you know, what are the things you guys are doing to build the culture that you want to establish to build the, uh, the organization to achieve uh, the goals and the aspirations that you guys have for the program? What does that look like from day one uh, and moving forward? Yeah, um, we, we constantly preach, um, you know, we talk about character, communication, um, ignoring the noise, um, coming into the building with a positive mindset and, um, and wanting to improve every single day, improving every single day, um, and being consistent, you know, those, those are the main things that we've preached since day one. And, and I think coach Taylor's done a great job of continuing to emphasize those things. You know, it's one thing if you just talk about those things in the first team meeting and say, these are, these are the things that we're going to be about. These are the things that we're going to build our culture around. And then it never gets talked about again. Um, but I think it's important. And I think coach Taylor does a great job of, um, continually, uh, reemphasizing, um, and reinforcing, uh, those, those aspects of our organization and our team that are going to be, uh, they're going to be mandatory. Those are things that, that we, uh, that we have to be great at in order to win games. And, um, yeah, like I said, you know, character communication, um, are, are two huge aspects of, of what we, build our culture around and then um, being a connected team, being a team that is, is playing for one another and not just for themselves and, um, and, and enjoying the success, having as much joy in the success of your teammates as, as your own. And, um, and, and those are ultimately the, the closest teams and the most player led player driven teams are ultimately the ones that, that have the most success. And, um, and that's the culture that, that we're cultivating and, and that we've continued to grow for the last two years and going into the third year, we, we think it's going to be, um, you know, we're, it's really going to pay dividends and we're going to see um, the success that we've had in building that culture manifest itself in the win loss column. And, um, and, and coach Taylor's again, has done an incredible job of, of not just um, not just preaching about it, but being about it, you know, and constantly reinforcing those um, those values and, and those things that, that we, uh, that we build our culture around here. Yeah. So when you talk about consistency and, and the things you just talked about, how do you do those things every single day and preach them? Uh, 
without it having the feel of monotony where yep. guys kind of get, uh, Oh, I'm just, I'm hearing this and I don't, I don't really care about it. Or how, how yep. do you kind of keep it consistent, but yet, you know, break it up enough to where it's new and you're keeping the push forward instead yeah. of kind of sliding backward. I think one thing that he does, that coach Taylor does a great job of is, is finding examples, um, finding examples, whether it's uh, from ourselves or from somebody else or for some, or from something outside of football. Um, you know, he, he isn't, I guess when I say he reemphasizes it and reinforces it, it isn't always in the form of him just talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes in a lot of different forms. Um, and, and one of the main ones is again, finding examples of us doing it, of somebody else doing it, of, of, so something occurring that is a principle um, of, of what our culture is about. And so, um, yeah, like you said, you can't just sit there and just, you know, talk about it, you know, in every meeting. And cause then, like you said, it does get monotonous, but um, when they can see and feel not just hear, but when they can see and feel um, those, you know, those, those values and, and those um, beliefs uh, happening, and, and the, the effect that they have, um, on your team, uh, that's when, uh, that's when it, it really becomes, uh, you know, it gets taken to heart and it gets, uh, uh, a little bit more, um, a little bit more real for those guys than again, just, just hearing about it. Mm-hmm. How important is discipline? Extremely. I mean, it's, that's, that's, that's one that doesn't necessarily get talked about, uh, more than, uh, than a couple other things, but it's, I mean, it's huge. Um, I mean, it's, it, it you know, I think discipline kind of goes hand in hand with, with consistency, you know, um, you have to be disciplined day in and day out and, and you have to, you have to fall in love with the, the monotony and the, the boringness that it, it, it takes to be consistent and be disciplined and do the things that are going to be required of you even though they might not be fun, they might not be enjoyable. You know, that's what discipline is to me. And that's what, um, it's a, it's a critical aspect, not just for players, but for coaches, you know, and, um, that's, that's something that, that does get, that gets talked about a lot as well. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I just thought of when you're, when we talk about all this stuff, uh, I remember when I was in my pursuit of coaching, I was at the, the thunder training camp and mm-hmm. I don't know, it was like 2000, maybe 14 or 15, one of the two. I was sitting down and, you know, I'm, I'm this at the time I'm college. So I, I have this guy sitting next to me who I watched growing up who played for coach K it was John Shire. Who's now going to be the head coach at, at Duke uh, next year. Mm-hmm. But yep. I was asking him be, because being around coach K and being around different coaches that have a high level of success, you know, what is it that makes them successful? You know, and you're always asking these questions, but what has been interesting to me over my career is to hear consistency and and sometimes like monotony boringness mundane i mean those are words that we don't like to talk about and it's not necessarily those words but in a, in a sense it kind of is like it's every day just doing the same things over and that's one thing he talked about is like what makes coach K great well like that consistency and that discipline each day getting better yep. each day but working on those fundamentals each day and improving it also helps that yep. they have really good talent. So <laughs> but that helps a lot. Talent always, talent, talent always helps. Yes. But at the same time, when you have that talent and you have those principles, you have that consistency, it makes a huge difference. And so no um, that's what you guys are building. So I really want to touch on that. You've, you've now got, you know, you're getting some pieces that you guys have wanted to get in the draft and you got Joe Burrow sure. last year or two years ago now. 
You yeah. got Jamar Chase uh, this year. And also guys that were at LSU. So you got to see them mm-hmm. mature. What, what is the biggest uh, things that you've seen in them as players as they progressed and gotten better? Um, well, yeah. Um, you know, with, with Joe Burrow specifically, um, you know, what's so impressive about him is, uh, is the intent that he has every single day. Um, you know, his, his really his singular focus is being the best quarterback that he can possibly be. And, and when you do that, you know, it sounds simple, but it's, it's tough to do. And, and when you do it, um, you're going to see tremendous results. And that's what, that's what he's seeing. You know, he's obviously talented as well. Um, and he has, you know, he has really impressive skills and traits, but the thing that is uh, far and away the most impressive thing about him is just the way he approaches every single day with intent and, and every single practice, he, he goes out there and his, his only goal is to get better. You know, he's going, he's not going to go out to a practice and not get better. And we like to talk about, you know, coaches like to talk about going through the motions, um, you know, as a common phrase when you're doing things, but you're not really getting better at it. You know, you're just doing it to do it. You're doing it to check a box that doesn't exist with Joe. That that's, he doesn't understand that. That, that does not resonate with him. And when you have that mindset, when you go out there every single day and, um, and you are intent about improving uh, your skill set, your mental uh, ability, your processing ability, um, your toughness, your, your, you know, things like that, you're going to see improvement and you're going to see success, you know, and that's, that's what's happened with him, you know, and then, and then to see him grow as a leader as well, you know, whenever he came to LSU, he was the new guy um, in the summer uh, coming into a, a four-way quarterback battle, you know, as a transfer from Ohio State. Um, and his leadership role um, just continually grew throughout that training camp, throughout that season, and obviously through 2019. Um, and it was never forced. He, he's somebody that, you know, it's all natural. It's all him. He's so genuine and so straightforward. And um, he doesn't BS you. He's, you know, he's, he is who he is. And, and after you're around that for, uh, you know, a certain amount of time, you, you, you begin to respect it. And it, it, um, that's what, you know, his leadership role has kind of, uh, evolved to be is just, he's, you know, he's the, he's the dude and he's the dude because he is who he is. And, um, he's not going to fake anything. He's, he's going to be real and, and guys appreciate that and they gravitate to that. Um, and then with Jamar, you know, he was, he was somebody that came in as a, as a true freshman and, uh, was kind of figuring it out his first year, you know, had a lot of ups and downs. Um, his first year uh, probably didn't see the field as much as he would have liked. Um, and then he matured a lot and he grew up and, um, you know, grew up not just mentally, but physically as well. And um, I think throughout that, his first fresh, his first year at LSU, his freshman year, he, he learned a lot about what it takes to be a great receiver in the SEC. And, um, and then obviously he exploded and had the year that he had, he, you know, he always had the talent um, and the ability Um but I think he, he did a lot of uh, growing mentally his first year and then uh, blew up and had the year he had in 2019. And then getting him, you know, getting to be back with him this offseason for the first time since then, um, you know, you, I, I see it. I see how much he's grown mentally and, and how, um, you know, maybe maybe Joe has had a I'm sure it I'm sure it, it has happened. Joe's probably had a little bit of an effect on him in terms of um, in terms of how he approaches each day and how he prepares for each game and. Um, and how he approaches practice and, and his intent to get better and, 
um, and do the right things. You know, I think um, you've seen that rub off on Jamar and um, it's been, it's been a lot of fun to, to see them grow and develop throughout the last three years, even though there was a gap year in there for me to see where they're at now comparatively to, to 2018, you know, you could see that it was, uh, there was a lot of potential there, um, but to see where they're at and where, how far they've come and where they're at now has been really, really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and some of the points going off that is that, uh, you know, when you think about leadership, that's leadership, what Joe Burrow is talking about where that's just who he is. He's being himself, but he is demanding other people get to his level essentially. And yep. then you talk about Jamar chase kind of being around that, that, that builds a culture, you know what I mean? Like yep. that, that accelerates everyone to a new level talking about coach Taylor, actually living the stuff he's talking about. That's what makes uh, great leaders. The ones that actually live out what they're talking about, because people don't want to yep. listen to someone who's not, not actually living what they're talking about. So yep. no question. You know, those are great points. Very cool for you. I know we need to wind it down real quick. Uh, Cause Brad is on vacation. So he gave us a little bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> so we're thankful for that. But um you know, what are some things when you think about great coaches, great players, what makes them great? I mean, you touched on it just a second ago, but what makes those guys great? Um, yeah, I think it can be a lot of different things. Um, you know, like we talked about earlier, consistency to me is uh, a huge, huge part of it. Um, and then just uh, selflessness and, and, and being, um, you know, being a great teammate and understanding, you know, if you're, if you're a receiver, if you're, you know, somebody who um, uh, isn't necessarily getting the ball on every play, you know, doing the things that are necessary to, to make sure that the team has the most success, you know, individual success is a byproduct of team success a lot of times. And, um, and, you know, the great players understand that. And, um, and, you know, coupled with that, just having uh, a drive and a competitive spirit um, to, to always, um, you know, to, to be the best really, um, is, is to me what, what, uh, what a lot of those, uh, you know, elite, um, you know, best of the best type of type, type of athletes all have in common is they have an incredible drive and an incredibly, um, high competitive level. And, um, you see it every time that they perform, every time they step out there on, on their field or court or whatever it is. Um, I think, uh, those are, those are a couple of, of, uh, some of the important aspects. I'm sure I'm, I'm missing on a couple of them as well, but, um, those are the ones that, that really stick out in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. No question. So, you know, aside from your dad, who are some coaches that you really admire and respect, um, within not just NFL, but college, who are some coaches that really, you know, are those guys to you either from afar yeah. or close by? So, Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate to, to get to play for a really good coach in, in high school at Trinity. Um, my offense coordinator and quarterback coach there was somebody that had a real, uh, real big impact on, on me and, and um, the way I approached the game and the way I um, grew as a leader. Um, you know, he, he taught me that, um, you know, about how, how leadership is, um, you know, it's really, it's about getting, uh, elevating the play and, and the, elevating the uh the play of the guys around you and and inspiring the guys around you and I learned a lot about that from him and um and then I got to you know I got to play for obviously my dad was uh was a a, a big um influence on on me and in my 
career and, and who I am now and getting to play for him was a really, really cool experience. Um, and then, you know, guys like uh, John Wooden, Tony Dungy, you know, people like that, that um, from afar, I've, I've always admired um, not just their coaching skills, but their, um, their developing skills and, and their, their ability to, to, to help, uh, to help guys, not just in the game of basketball or, or football, but the game of life and, um, and instill those, those values and, um, and core beliefs that they're going to, that you're going to take with you, um, way beyond your playing days and, and will be, um, determining factors in, in your success and, and what you do in life. And yeah. so people like that are, are always guys that I've really admired and, um, and, and read about and tried to do as much, re much research about as I can and, um, and, and learn as much as I can from, from the way they did things and the way they approached, um, coaching, um, at, at such a high level. Mm -hmm. Any good resources of, of books or podcasts that you've read that you would recommend? Um, quiet strength by Tony Dungy is a great book. Um, that's one I've read, um, a couple times. Um, you know, I, uh, I've really just started to get into reading more recently. Um, I, it's, it's something that I've always wanted to, to do more of, um, you know, ever since really, uh, college days, but, um, it's something that, uh, a guy who I, I work with, with the Bengals has kind of, uh, been on me about, and he's, he's kind of pushed me towards, towards reading a little bit more. So it's something that I've, I've gotten in, uh, more into recently. Um, so I'd probably be more in line for recommendations than giving recommendations, Okay, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I, in terms of other, other things, other resources that I like to use, you know, I'm, I am a fan of podcasts. I'll listen to, you know, leadership podcasts and things like that. Um, and then, um, you know, I enjoy listening to some of the people that, uh, that somebody like Joe Rogan has on. I think he has some really, you know, really cool and inspiring guests that are outside of, you know, that I like to listen to They're outside the athletic world and, um, hearing, you know, how everything kind of correlates. There's so many similarities to, to business between business and, and football or, or not even business, but whatever area, um, whatever career. And, um, you know, hearing, hearing a lot of experiences like that, um, is, is pretty motivating. And, and I take away, uh, take a lot from, um, but yeah, if anybody, if I'm, I'm more, I'm more about getting book recommendations at this point. Yeah. Awesome. Well, real quickly, we're going to do a little fire round so you can finish the sentence. I'll say a word and you can finish the sentence. So, okay. Resilience. Resilience is pushing through, um, tough circumstances, um, and, and finding a way to, to, to make them better yourself, finding a way to, to, to get better from a tough experience and, and, um, and come out of it, uh, stronger and, and, um, a better, better person than you were before. Awesome. Favorite pass you like to throw. Favorite pass I like to throw. Mm -hmm. or favorite favorite pass I've had. Uh, you like to throw. How about that? Go ball. Go ball. Go okay. ball. Go ball. Outside who, who, the numbers. Who too? Who throw too? Throw deep. Throw deep. Uh, what receiver? <laughs> one that one that I've played with. Either way. <laughs> uh, I go with uh, Kwame Sexton. Oh man. Okay. Awesome. Uh, favorite college football experience or NFL football experience? Uh, like let's just say a uh, travel experience. Okay. Uh, I've got two. So my favorite uh, college football experience was, was getting to uh, 
game to, to throw the game winning touchdown against Florida on a fake field goal in 2015. Um, that was uh, a really, really cool experience. And then, um, and then more recently in my coaching career, um, getting to coach in Monday night football, that was something that uh, the last two years really um, kind of pinch yourself moments, you know, when you're standing on the field and, and you're about to play in a Monday night football game that you're going to be a part of. Um, those have been uh, really, really cool. Awesome. Focus. Focus is um, being intentful and uh, in having a, a drive and a determination um, to, uh, to accomplish um, the goal that you currently have set in front of you. Great. Favorite, favorite shortstop you've ever played with? Uh, Bailey Miles. Oh, perfect. That's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a good question. Yeah. It, it all comes down to. It all comes down to uh, maintaining your beliefs and values. Um, and then, um, again, the word keeps coming up, but just being consistent, being the same guy day in and day out, um, and, and constantly having a growth mindset and wanting to better yourself and, and having um, somewhat of an adapt-or-die mentality to, to just constantly wanting to get better every single day. Um, and if you do those things, that's, uh, I think you're going you're gonna to find success. Awesome. Well, we're done with the fire round, but what's the, you know, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Best piece of advice. Um, probably, you know, my dad used to always talk to me about just hard work. Um, and really there's no substitute for hard work. Um, that, that is what instilled, um, the work ethic that I have currently is, is all from my dad, um, and my older brother as well. Um, but he constantly preached to me about how there's no substitute for hard work. Um, that, um, nothing is, you know, guaranteed you in life that, um, that, you know, um, being complacent and, um, uh, things like that are, are just, they're always going to hold you back. And as, as long as you're continually to work, continuing to work hard, um, you're, you're going to find your way. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you just answered that question, but throughout this show, you've been able to, the listeners have been able to look and see that that is a quality that you possess throughout your life. Um, you know, this podcast is called building excellence. What would you say building excellence means to you? Building excellence is just, uh, is constantly getting better. It's, it's constantly finding ways to improve yourself. Um, and whether, you know, it can be any area of life, you know, doesn't just have to be career driven. It can be, you know, um, as a husband, as a father, as a brother, um, you know, as a teammate and anything like that, um, you know, building excellence is just, is constantly working at your craft in any area of life and, and, and consistently improving it and, and not wasting days and, um, and being, being intentful about, um, about improving every day. Yeah. Well, if anyone wants to, you know, learn more about you or, you know, get in touch, is there any like social platform that you're on that they can follow you and learn more about you or, yeah, yeah, I'm on I'm on Twitter. Um, so uh, my my handle I believe is uh, at b cragthorpe. So just b and then my last name, um, or you could just type my name in. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not super active um, as much as I was back in in uh, my college coaching days. But um, I just do a lot of retweeting now, I guess. But um, but yeah, that would that would probably be the the best channel. 
Yeah, that's a good thing. It probably means you're working at your job. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, well, limit distraction. Limit distractions. Yeah. Well, Brad, thanks so much for being on the show. You know, one thing I t- I wanted to touch on what you're talking about making an impact, and that's one of the differences between college and, and professional. And you still get to do that in, in professional, but it's a little bit different. I just want to say that like that that is your heart behind coaching. It's not just about you love the game, obviously, but you love making a difference. Just as coaches have made a difference in your life, and so. I just want to commend exactly. you on that because, uh, you know, you're coaching for the right reasons. You are making an impact. You will continue to make an impact. We're really excited to watch uh, your career. No, uh, one day we'll have you back on as a head coach. So thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. And enjoy the rest of the vacation before things start yep. up. Yep. Appreciate All it. Right. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate thanks. it, Bailey. See ya. Hey, everyone. It's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.